Brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Uh, emailer Jim Wolf shares with me a, a fascination for the words we're no longer going to be able to speak. Okay. Uh, he's a podcast uh, listener, loves the podcast. <clears throat> and he, uh, he went to the Office of Diversity and Inclusion at Colorado State University. Remember, that's who we called. Uh, trying oh, yeah. to uh, get their list of words. Oh, that's right. And that was based on uh, they've decided that long time no see was an affront to uh, Chinese people, uh-huh. right? And he got interested, and uh, he looked up some of the words in their inclusive language guides, and he said, your head's going to explode. Uh, this is the tip of the iceberg. You would be amazed at the copious amounts of information our nation's colleges and universities make available on topics such as diversity, inclusion, acceptable speak, and the like, to say nothing of the layers upon layers of associated infrastructure and bureaucracy. Mm. And again, I must applaud Jim for doing the work that you two might have done, but yeah. we rely on um, our offsite correspondence. I back you up and applaud him as well. Uh, there are so many examples, there is not enough room to include all of it here. You will have to see for yourself, or I will send it to you in doses. It is my hope that I might earn the opportunity to be an informal freelance contributor to the show from time to time. I will keep at it until you tell me to stop. Never stop. Never stop. Good luck. Uh, uh, one last thing. Could you have Rookie uh, find the show from long ago? Where Royce opened his car door in the self-serve car wash and kept yelling, we have issues. I thought it would be funny to hear that segment. All right. Okay. Well, that's uh, in a car Royce wash. in the car wash. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Uh, so that's it? We're not... What? We going to roll with it? I don't know. No, we're on right now. We're doing the show right yep, now. Let's start. No, we're doing it right now. Right. I just read his email. And this is from this is from the July 2018 Reader's Digest. Basket case. Here Reader's we go. Digest. Basket case? What's Often bas- describes a social outcast character. The term actually comes from World War I slang and refers to soldiers who were so seriously injured you could fit them into a basket. So we are told to think twice before you use this un- uncompassionate term. Can't say basket, basket case. case. Come on, Jim. Long time no see. We went through this one. Uh, it actually derives from the greetings of a Native American man talking to early settlers. Non-native English speakers or anyone new to a language will make these kinds of errors in syntax. No can do is a similar phrase that's said to derive from Chinese broken English. Both are unkind phrases to use. Didn't Hall and Oates have a song called No Can Do? I can't go for that. Oh, that's right. No can do. Yeah, I can't. Jip. No, no can do. You might say you got gypped if you get ripped off, but the term is said to refer to gypsies. In that sense, the term derives from stereotyping this ethnic group as thieves and swindlers. Can't say What gyp. is a gypsy? Uh, is, I mean, is that like an Italian, or is that just someone on the move 
uh, like a not a nomad, but well, you'd have to correct me, and of course, go to the Google. But <clears throat> I believe it refers to Eastern Europeans who don't necessarily have a specific homeland. Give me your tears, Gypsy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, a, a form of great jazz music, Gypsy jazz. Also, a great uh, the underbeats became Gypsy. A member of a traveling people, traditionally living by interior in itinerant trade itinerant Chris itinerant, itinerant. I can't oh my God. well look at how small the, the print bucket. is look at how small this print is looking right at it Chris itinerant. Itinerant. crystal itinerant. ball people itinerant uh, the gypsy could always tell the future or maybe. something Ghetto. Ghettos were the mandated locations for the ethnic segregation of Jews under the Nazi regime during World War II. In America, the term became associated with poor areas with non-white residents. Now it is a bigoted term that gets tossed around to mean low class. Ghetto. Wait, what is that one again? Ghetto. Ghetto. Rule of thumb. I didn't know you couldn't use the term rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. That This is how we go by. This is the rule of thumb. Can't use that. Why? Who does that offend? Well, you know it to mean a generally accepted principle. It yeah. is said to derive from laws in England and America dating back to the 1600s. These laws are said to have stated that a man could beat his wife with any stick no wider than his thumb, hence the rule of thumb. Whoa. I'm not sure I buy that because how do you, how do you get from that the idea that rule of thumb is something acceptable? It's not acceptable to hit anybody with a stick— so how did it how did it advance into modern into the modern world uh, as meaning something acceptable? With my friends, it was always the rule of thumb. <laughs> I'm glad we're not on TV. <laughs> Grandfathered in. You shouldn't say that. Grandfathered in? How really? uh, your your grandfather? Well, you're you're happy if you get grandfathered into a clause on your cell phone plan that has extra value. The grandfather clause usually means you get the benefits of an earlier generation. However, the term originates with the practice of allowing voters in southern states easier voting conditions if they had a grandfather who voted before 1867. Guess who didn't have those relatives? Black voters, because their grandfathers were slaves. This term refers to an ugly and unfair history in voter disenfranchisement. Had no idea. Did I you? had no idea, but I'm going to continue to use all of these phrases because I still feel they're very innocent. The only time I've ever wanted to be able to have it applicable applicable to me is if I I've, I always had this uh, uh, this uh, fantasy that if I ever bought a lake place and had a boathouse, uh, I, I, which are now illegal, I'd get to keep it because I'd get grandfathered in. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Didn't we have a case of that, the gal in Minnetonka last summer? No, she was... Uh, she was, uh, you're speaking about the woman who, what the hell was it? She was going to be renting. charged uh, something extra because. She was renting the boat slip, right? Or was it a boat house? No, just a boat slip. Okay. I can't remember that. What, she what had was? kind of the, the the older house that was not as pristine. And she had rented her slip out to another. To her renters. To her renters. And they went to, you know, the marina and said, oh, we got this. And this the marina guy said, wait a minute here. Paddy wagon. Uh, police. Well, it's a slang term used for a police van that picked up folks who got arrested. Paddy was a derogatory term for anyone Irish. Irish yep. And drawing on the stereotype that the Irish are drunkards and hooligans. Well. Paddy wagon referred to Irish guys getting into trouble with the law. Uh, ethnic stereotypes, like all Irish are drunks, aren't cool. That, that was pretty accurate, though. 
And most Irishmen agree. Yeah. I've never heard an Irishman complain about the term paddy wagon. Okay. Sold down the river. Oh. Can't use that. Okay, why? That's offend somebody. If you say you were sold down the river, you mean that someone betrayed you. That isn't a very enlightened way to express that sentiment because it derives from America's history of slavery. Slaves were sold downriver as punishment where they would experience harsher conditions and be separated from family and loved ones. Didn't know that. I've never used that phrase. I, I don't, I've never had reason to. Hysterical. Funny. The word hysterical derives from the Greek word for uterus. It usually gets tossed around as a description for emotional women and feeds into the sexist stereotype that women are naturally crazy. <laughs> I, I don't buy that at all. That's hysterical. CNN is hysterical. Right. It has nothing to do with a uterus. <laughs> what about the hot, crazy matrix? That does Damn. have to do with hysterical. Moron. Well. Hey, moron. In the early 20th century, moron was the term given to people with a learning disability. The term originates as a word meaning stupid in ancient Greek. It looks like you'll need to call rookie something else. No, I think it fits. <laughs> I think it fits pretty good. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. You may think eeny, meeny is an innocent children's rhyme to help kids count or to choose someone to be it. Mm -hmm. You've probably even recited the little verse yourself. Catch a tiger by the toe. Seems eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a tiger by the toe. Seems harmless until you find out that tiger is a fairly recent replacement for the original term, which was the N-word. Your kids aren't aware of this ominous history, but they're still at risk to experience cruelty. We're getting to the point where you're not going to be able to talk to each other. Why would we want to catch someone by only their toe, though? I don't Eeny, know. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a tiger by the toe. If Imbec he always let Imbecile. Imbecile. You Imbecile are. derives from the Latin term for weak. That is, it refers to just the type of people who need society's compassion and care. Instead, the term was chosen by psychologists for people with cognitive disabilities. Now it's thrown around to mean stupid. It's a bullying term. Imbecile. Why, you, you imbecile. imbecile. You moronic imbecile. You don't tell me. You hysteric, you hysterical imbecile. Moronic imbecile, I should sell you down the river or throw you in the paddy wagon. Uh huh. But you're grandfathered in. So I don't have to. So I guess you can play eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch a tiger by the toe. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm talking about. If he hollers, let him go. Yeah. Why, did, why did you have to? Why did you leave that to chance as a, as a child? Why didn't you just pick someone? Why did they have? Because you made it seem what? More random? Apparently. Mm. I don't know. You want more? Yeah. All right. Offsite contributor, frequent offsite contributor Downing, has what I hope uh, to be for this particular podcast. This is podcast number 51, but I mean this podcast in general. Maybe he's got the last word on the collectivism as it applies to trash, trash collection uh, in St. Paul and every other major city in the country. Okay. He's got some good points. Joel, maybe this whole vacation issue of St. Paul Garbage Collection and Vacation Stops is over. But I'm still struggling to get my head around it. Former State Representative Michael Paymar is careful to prove his progressive bona fides by saying that, of course, he supports the new government-mandated and government-run system. 
Nevertheless, he is worried about his own pocketbook and complains that it is difficult to avoid paying for collection while he is on extended vacation. But why should he expect to be able to stop paying at all? Under the old system, sure, that was between him and his hauler. But it's not a private matter anymore. It's really a government-mandated expense. Hmm. Everyone must pay. Zero wasters who work diligently to not need trash pickup must still pay. Neighbors who shared trash collection because they generated very little must now pay. The owner of a triplex that could get by with one bin now must pay for three bins. Everyone must pay, regardless of whether you need or want trash pickup at all. We were told that a benefit of this new plan is that all trash will be picked up in the city because everyone must have the pickup. But what if some don't pay their bill? The city thought of that. Enough is built into our city-mandated bills so that those of us who do, not, who do pay are making up for those who don't. And they tell us that now, when someone dumps an old mattress or couch in the alley, it will get picked up. It won't matter who dumped it or whose property it was dumped on because everyone on the block has service from the same provider, and we're all paying for it. Hmm. It's now all about the collective, the common good. And what about those who don't pay the private hauler chosen for them by the city of St. Paul? The city will assess them on their property tax bill. They're going to get theirs no matter what. Think about that. Ultimately, trash collection is now a city tax. So why does Mr. Paymar think he should get out of paying for trash collection in the new collective benefiting system just because he is lucky enough to be able to get away during the winter? Does he also think he should be able to put a hold on his property taxes while he is gone? Ooh. After all, he won't be needing the streetlights on while he's on vacation or the streets plowed for that matter. The next thing you know, maybe he'll be telling us that if you send your kids to private school, you shouldn't have to pay taxes for the public schools. Don't hold your breath. I've been paying for both all my life. I have you and many others. If no one can opt out of trash collection, why should Paymar be able to opt out temporarily? I don't care if he's able to take a nice long vacation. If I have to pay for the people who don't pay their bills, if I have to pay to have the haulers pick up old mattresses and stuff that people have dumped in the alleys, then so does he. Paymar wants to be a freeloader not paying his fair share for the collective good. The truck will still be coming down his alley every week, whether he's home or not, picking up everyone's trash, whether they've paid or not, just like the streets will be plowed and the streetlights will still come on while he's gone. If I'm expected to pay more for a better St. Paul, then Paymar should too. Under this city-mandated, city-planned system, why should vacation holds even be an option? If all must pay, then all must pay. It's for the common good. Funny that former DFL state representative Paymar, who never met someone else's dollar he couldn't spend, (laughs) doesn't see it that way. I guess it's different when it's his own pocket that's being picked. That's what we've always said. Those are wonderful thoughts by frequent uh, off-site contributor Downing. Uh, Paymar, I remember Paymar. I think Paymar was the guy. Didn't he try to muscle his way on our show when we were out in Cooperstown for Kirby Puckett's uh, Hall of Fame induction? Wasn't it Paymar who no, was there with his kid? No, that wasn't Paymar. That was Jay Beninoff. Jay Beninoff. Jay Beninoff. You when know he was what? running for mayor. Close enough. But isn't Paymar? <laughs> isn't he a, a new? Is he a New Jersey transplant? 
I got to look him up. I you know, don't believe I don't believe he's a native Minnesotan. Uh, many of our politicians, uh, many of our mayors have not been native Minnesotans. Latimer, uh, Coleman, uh, Sushere. Who's the current guy? I, oh, I think Melvin's native Minnesotan. Uh, oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. He was born in Duluth. Huh. Paymar was? Paymar graduated from East High School in Duluth, then went on to the Saint, College of St. Scholastica. Yep. Who am I thinking of? Uh, there was a guy, there was a rep in St. Paul. Probably Beninoff. Well, Beninoff, yeah, for, certainly was from the uh, the East Coast. I know that for sure. Paymar apparently is no longer in the legislature. And and to give listeners a background, if they uh, if this caught you uh, unaware, uh, Paymar uh, until Downing broke it down. I, I was kind of on Paymar's side, but now I see Downing's point. Uh, Paymar was saying, "Why in the hell should I have to pay for my trash pickup if I'm gone for two months or three months?" Right. And uh, but really, what Paymar was objecting to, I thought, was the idea that in order to demonstrate that to his hauler. He had to provide an airplane ticket or a doctor's order or something, which was a terribly, uh, a terrible invasion of privacy. And that's now been changed. That's mm. now been changed. So Paymar, love him or not love him or dislike him, he is a collective, uh, collectivist leftist. Uh, he did have a, a, a point uh, of merit there in saying, why in the hell do I have to tell uh, Highland Sanitation that I have a doctor's appointment and I don't need my trash picked up? <laughs> right. And he won that point. And now it's between you and your hauler. And uh, the city will not get involved. I hope that's the last word on uh, trash collection. You know, uh, you only you can only put up the fight so much, and then you just do what you're told. Mm-hmm. And the bin goes down to the end of the driveway, and it gets picked up, and you put the bin away, and you, you take it out the next week. They've made trash collecting, which was not complex, right. very difficult. To understand, or oh, inexpensive. It is a whole, the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, the more likely you are to be led by people who will complicate, unimaginably complicate that which we grew up with, which was not complicated at all. Voting, most principally. Now, trash collection. <clears throat> I was thinking of uh, Howard um, Orenstein, yep. who was a, a predecessor of Paymar, but he was from St. Louis, Missouri, not mm-hmm. uh, the East Coast. All right. There's another one on the East Coast that I'm that we're forgetting. Fine. I can't remember. It's really driving me nuts right now because he ran for office in St. Paul. Well, uh, Bruce Vento. I don't remember where Bruce was from. I think he's a Minnesotan. Okay. Why don't we come back with Johnny and uh, I can contribute to his newscast today. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, one sports note before we get to all the news. Uh, today was the, the Vikings, of course, play the Patriots this weekend. Uh, today is the day that reporters got to ask some questions of uh, the uh, rivals' coach. Well, don't opponent. we have this exclusively? We, uh, well, I think I don't. Is it exclusive? Did it we is get an exclusive? exclusive here to Garage I was, Logic. I did not know that. Okay, I was rolling on uh, uh, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick's uh, press conference with local beat reporters. Coach, after Monday night's game, how do you deal with that adversity? We need to do everything better, both offensively and defensively. But now we're on to Cincinnati. Sorry for yelling. Actually, we can barely hear you. We're on to Cincinnati. Coach, last week, the protection of the offensive line seemed to be pretty. Coach, we just got word that your house is on fire. Houses catch fire all the time. 
That's what insurance is for. That said, Coach, are you planning to evaluate your fire captain situation? <laughs> Coach, when it comes to your defense, you got We're to on to Cincinnati. We're 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 on to Cincinnati. Wow. Oh, it's a tornado! And it's picking up sharks and throwing them everywhere! Sharknado. On to Cincinnati. Any more questions? <gasps> Mr. Brandy, thank goodness you're okay! Yes! Wow. On to Cincinnati? Don't worry, I'm the man! I don't think Belichick is taking the Vikings seriously. No, he's already yeah, looking past he is, the yeah, Cincinnati. towards oh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. That's weird. What the heck? It uh, is interesting, too, that they would get a tornado and an earthquake right. in oh, the Boston well, area all at the same right. time. And, and not, us not really know about it. Well, you know what that is? Climate change. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Climate change happens uh, all Vikings play. At the end there, I believe, he's holding his dog during this yeah, press conference. Mr. Brady. Mr. Brady. Mr. Brady. Mr. Brady. Yeah. His puppy. <laughs> Uh, that uh, that is a uh, Sunday. Uh, is that a Sunday noon game? That's a, no. no. She's a three twenty-five. Yeah, three twenty-five game in uh, in New England. We like to call it America's game of the week, John. That's right. Yep. Okay. I wonder uh, if that'll get flexed. No, no, it, no. It, it, it'll be that. It'll be three thirty. They would have had to make that. Move. People are getting sick of the Vikings, huh? Yeah, a little bit. We might get weather <laughs> though. We could get weather yeah. in New England. Yeah. Always a chance in New England. Mm-hmm. After Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday comes Giving Tuesday. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. Is that today? That's today, yeah. The annual International Day of Charitable. How about Leave Me Alone Wednesday? <laughs> Can we have that? That's at uh, the bank. God. The International Day of Charitable Giving, created in 2012, with the goal of connecting individuals, communities, and organizations around the world in a common purpose to celebrate and encourage giving. In 2017, an estimated $300 million was donated on Giving Tuesday. Nonprofit groups like CaringBridge have used the day to kick off an annual year-end campaign that hopes to raise $1.5 million. A release states that Richard M. Schulz Foundation, started by Best Buy founder Richard Schulz, will provide a matching grant if CaringBridge can raise hundred grand from existing or new donors Tuesday. In addition to monetary donations, charities are also taking donations of time and other means of support. A British newspaper is alleging that Paul Manafort secretly met WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy in London within days or weeks of being brought aboard Donald Trump's presidential campaign. If confirmed, the report Tuesday suggests a direct connection between the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks, which released tens of thousands of emails stolen by Russian spies during the 2016 election. The campaign seized on the mails to undermine Trump's rival, Hillary Clinton. The Guardian, which did not identify the sources for its reporting, said that Manafort met with Assange around March of 2016, the same month that Russian hackers began their all-out effort to steal emails from the Clinton campaign. Winter in Minnesota can be tough, we all know that, which is why officials in the West Metro are outfitting fire hydrants for their protection. Residents there are noticing plastic bags over some fire hydrants and wondered why they're there. According to a spokesperson for the West Metro Fire Rescue District in New Hope, those bags are in place to help protect hydrants, especially hydrants along busier streets from the corrosive salt they put down. Meanwhile, authorities said— You just thought of this now? Just throw a bag over it. Yeah, throw a bag over it. 
meanwhile, authorities said uh, help from residents to keep snow shoveled around fire hydrants is needed and appreciated. Uh, they are still looking uh, all around that area of the metro for volunteers who would like to do that. Like the mayor would suggest to just come out with a big World War II flamethrower and just melt everything around it, right? <laughs> Dump gas around there and light it on yes. fire. <laughs> Joaquin El Chapo Guzman's wife, Emma Coronel Aspuro, was caught with a cell phone in court last week and had unauthorized and impermissible contact with the notorious drug lord, prosecutors said in a request for sanctions against defense counsel. In a heavily redacted court paper released Tuesday, prosecutors said El Chapo's beauty queen wife had a cell phone that's banned from the courthouse. Surveillance video from November 19th showed Coronel had a cell phone in court. Prosecutors also claimed she was spotted using the cell phone during two separate occasions that led to impermissible contact between she and the drug lord. Visitors are banned from bringing cell phones, cameras, or any recording devices into the courthouse due to strict security measures implemented during the high-profile trial. You know, a lot's been made of President Trump's penchant for uh, stretching the truth, shall we say. Numerous articles have shown, well, yeah, where he simply didn't tell the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want to make this political or anything, but I think he definitely told a lie last night. All right. At a came campaign rally in Elvis Presley's hometown of Tupelo, Mississippi, the president told the crowd that back in the day, quote, not to sound very conceited, people used to tell him he looked like Elvis. No, no, they didn't. No. I'm sorry. They didn't. You're lying. <laughs> if Elvis were orange and had... Uh... Trump said at an airport rally in support of Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, other than the blonde hair, when I was growing up, they said I looked like Elvis. Can you believe it? No, I can't. I always considered that a great compliment. We love Elvis, don't we? Followed up with. Uh, we don't know that. <laughs> uh, wow. Would you even want to look like Elvis? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, the, I, the young I, Elvis or the uh, The young Elvis. Elvis. Oh, I want to be big fat 70, Elvis. 70, big fat Elvis. Yeah. Definitely would like to look like the Eating young Elvis. Eating a bucket of chicken on the toilet, Elvis. That's what yeah. I want to be. <laughs> National Security Advisor John Bolton. That's a dreadful image. <laughs> it really is. I don't. I don't think Elvis ever did that, though, Chris. Wasn't that how we lost him? <laughs> no, he he was on the hopper. Yeah, not eating a bucket of chicken. Nah, he was eating a bucket of chicken. No, he was. I'm going with it. What a cardiac arrest! What was it? That's what it was. That brought on by, yeah, right. Lots of drugs. Yeah, his last words were, "Huh." Yes. I got a serious story. I'm going to skip that one after yeah, that line. Yeah, let's bypass that one. <laughs> Uh, this is a serious story and a sad one. Steve Hillenburg. Oh, SpongeBob. The creator of the hit Nickelodeon show SpongeBob SquarePants has died, according to the network. He was 57 years oh. old. Hillenburg died following a battle with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. In March, he announced he had been diagnosed with neurodegenerative with the neurodegenerative with the neurodegenerative disease, according to uh, Nickelodeon. Uh, we're incredibly saddened by the news that he has passed away. He was a beloved friend and longtime creative partner to everyone at Nickelodeon. Our hearts go out to his entire family. Uh, anyone with kids from that area. Oh, heavens, yes. Repeats, oh, they love it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Repeats sayings from that show. I'm ready. Over. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And if you are an adult, you catch all those. It's like watching The Simpsons. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. I mean, the, the adult I things love, that the kids I love don't SpongeBob. see. There's, uh, there's, remember, remember the one? Joe loves this conversation where they were delivering pizza and he was singing the blues. SpongeBob. Oh, God, that was wonderful. Now, the best is when wonderful. Patrick picks up the phone, is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. <laughs> and the guy's name is Patrick. It wasn't the Krusty Krab. Did you see the picture or the story about the giant cow in Australia? No. Giant it's, uh, 
It's a it's named Knickers. It's a seven year old Holstein uh-huh. Frisian steer. Picture a group of uh, what's a popular dog? A golden lab. Yeah. Picture about ten or twelve golden labs. Holy cow! And this 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 golden lab would be quite literally towering above them, the size of a one car garage. It's Jeez. just the the most massive animals I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, and it's so big that How his big life will be spared. It? He can't fit in the rendering house. Because they're going to have... Oh, too big. He's too big to be cut up into steaks So they're just going to let him hang out. He wow. towers above the, the railing, the, right. what do you call it, the, the pen. Look at this, Rob. So he can't... Look at that cow. Hey, look at this cow. Holy he weighs 1.4 tons. Owner Jeff Pearson told Perth Now... In Australia, that Nickers size could save its life as Nickers is too big for the local abattoir. Huh. Butchers say the giant would produce around 1,400 pounds of trimmed, saleable beef, enough for 450 steaks and 370 yeah. kilograms of mince. Holy moly. Watch out, ladies. Here comes Nickers. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All the uh, female cows are very afraid and keep their distance. The beast cost uh, the owners only 225 euro, and they bought him as a coach. To take charge of the herd, Nickers is a is technically a steer, which is a castrated male bovine. Uh, Jeff, the owner, continued, when he was young, when we first got him, we had a Brahmin steer, which is a friend of his. So his name was Bra, so we had Bra and Nickers. We never thought he would turn into a big Nickers. I don't even know what that means. What's up, Bra? But it's oh. a very large is that animal. Like in reference to underwear? Yeah, I would think Very so. large yeah, animal. Like bra and, and Nickers. Nickers. Sure. Mm-hmm. He, huh. could have, he could have been good for uh, 80 porterhouse steaks. Oh yeah. Gosh, Chris has a picture with a herd of cows. Isn't that something? Holy. Isn't that something? He Wouldn't that he, terrify you? He tends to stand out. She <laughs> whiz. Oh. Now, I mean, what I, what also pleases me about the story is that there's no mention that this is obviously is the result of climate change. I'm surprised <laughs> CNN didn't uh, have this as something we should fear, our large cows. This isn't the biggest one this guy's ever even owned. He's had a bigger one wow. than this. Yeah. Huh. What's he putting in the feed? I don't know. Isn't that something? That Miracle is a girl. big cow. That's a big cow. Mm-hmm. What do you, imagine cleaning up after that guy. A scientist accused of attempted murder in Antarctica stabbed his colleague because he was fed up with a man telling him the endings of books. And then at the end, uh, the robber goes over the cliff, but he survives and runs away with the money. Well, did you read why the guy crashed his car into the gate at the Minnesota governor's residence? Uh, he said he had issues. He had. Uh, he was tired of electricity in his arms, and he yeah. needed to talk to Dayton about it. Ah, yeah. so, Not okay. a good way to contact the gov. That's right. Scientific engineer, 55-year-old Sergei Savitsky, became enraged and stabbed welder Oleg, uh, Oleg Beloguzov with a kitchen knife. The men had previously spent four harsh years at Russia's isolated Bellinghausen Station, King George Island, part of the South Shetland Island Group. Russian investigators are probing a version of events in which both men became avid readers because it would help them pass the lonely hours in the remote facility. Hmm. But Savitsky had become enraged that Beloguzov kept telling his colleague, the endings of the books before he had a chance to finish the books. Wounded man was evacuated, evacuated to Chile with a knife injury to the chest. His heart was injured in the attack. He was admitted to the intensive care unit, but his life is not in danger. The alleged attacker deported to Russia's second city, St. Petersburg, where he was immediately arrested and a criminal probe launched. Early humans were highly promiscuous and interbred multiple times over a period of 35,000 years, according to a new study. 
Researchers initially thought interbreeding between Neanderthals and other primitive cousins was rare, but now they've discovered they lived in what they're calling a world of debauchery. Happy Thanksgiving. An analysis past the stuffing, right? Analysis of de, uh, Neanderthal. Well, it's really undefeated forever. Yeah, isn't right. It? Right before you could spell Og meet Grog. Right. Already have. How you doing? Analysis. We met at the cave party. <laughs> it was the uh, the cave key party? Cave key party. Analysis of Neanderthal DNA in modern East Asians and Europeans found our ancestors began to pour out of Africa and mingle with more species around 75,000 years ago. Data from the 1000 Genomes Project, which has mapped the DNA of 1,000 people from around the world, suggests an environment of rampant promiscuity. It was a complex web of relationships. So basically it was like cats, like farm cats. They, they met on neanderthalfinder.net. <laughs> It was a complex web of relationships. No, it was NeanderthalsOnly.com. Right, NeanderthalsOnly.com. <laughs> web of relationships. Well, it wasn't only Neanderthals. See, that's the whole point of the story. The Neanderthals were mixing with the other hominid. That was very yeah. slow back then. It was a complex web of relationships in which individuals had intercourse with members of their own group and different early humans or hominins. You don't have to be lonely. <laughs> you think collectors are going to be trying to figure out which GM car to buy and put it away for investment purposes? Yes. A lot of Post-it so? notes. I see a lot of <laughs> temperature, pounds, PSIs, uh, Post-it notes, you know, saying, don't ever start this one because this is a Malibu beyond belief. Well, the only thing that I that would occur to me is maybe an Impala. If I was 30 and I had the money, it might be worth buying an Impala. You don't I'm get too late. To, I'm too old now to capitalize on it. Put some 32-inch tire, the extra wides on them. But what could a $30,000 Impala be worth in 15 years? Well, who knows? Uh, you know who will buy one? Jerry Seinfeld. Yep, he ruins it all. <laughs> or, or, or it may well be that the investor car market will look at these and not find them worthy of collecting. I don't know. But Impalas are popular. Mm -hmm. Very popular. Yeah. Which just seems to me to be the wrong car to take, it's affordable and it's it's the it's a workhorse. It's a it's a Ford Taurus. I know a guy who has a 1980 MGB. The last year they were produced, okay, and it has 10 miles on it. He drove it from Hansard, Pontiac, which is also then an MG dealership, to his home in Edina. This is a true story. It went immediately in. It, I've heard this story over the years and thought yeah. it apocryphal, but I finally met the guy. This summer, and he drove it immediately into his basement, and it hasn't moved for 38 years. Tough getting it down the stairs. And too. he he drove a drive-in basement from the lower level of the house, and he thinks <laughs> scratched the hell out and, of it. And he thinks he's sitting on a gold mine. And when I walked into his basement, the first thing that struck me was how impossibly damp that basement was. And Ooh. I've got to think that when this car finally sees the light of day again, that guy's going to be in for a rude awakening. Oh, no. I really think so. Does he have a dehumidifier? Oh, it was just terribly damp. He lived on a kind of a pond, a little wetland, and, and, and you could just sense the moisture in the basement. So is he going to have the same mold damage that Patrick's going to have when he left his uh, roof open in Fort Myers? He could. <laughs> but I'm thinking that car might, uh, I'm thinking the moisture might have really taken a toll. Yeah, on would, would that be, if it's in good shape or not, doesn't have any problems, will that be worth a lot of money? Or if is it's it perfect, already? If it's yeah. perfect, uh, it, it's not going to be worth uh, enough to put a kid through school. It might be worth fifteen grand, maybe twenty. Oh, that's grand. it, really? Yeah. What did he buy it for? Yeah, well, well, new. That car was probably between fifty-eight hundred and sixty-two hundred dollars. 
Huh. And he has hardly to re- seems worth the effort. And he has to replace the stairs. Boy, I can imagine though, at my house that thing would be full of, you know, there'd be a a, a pot on there, some uh, kids' uh, schoolwork, um, clothes, and hang, yeah, been hanging clothes cans. out of the washer yeah, for years. Cans. But but again, the sole reason he bought it was for the for the long term gamble. And what I'm suggesting is, I think he's going to find a very corroded car when he gets it out into the daylight with ten miles on it. Let me uh, uh, not even. Joking. I tried to buy it, and he intimated that well, you're. You're not going to get this. It's worth too much. He he thinks it's worth thirty. And then you I'm willing to bet you. I'm willing to bet you a hundred bucks. He'll not get thirty grand. Then you justified not getting it by your damp story. Right. I don't even want that guy. (laughs) But what? Um, what he doesn't have any enjoyment out of it. Dropping fifty eight hundred, and banking that it's going to be worth X amount. He's a well known collector of of. uh, He's actually uh, has a brilliant motorcycle collection and. he got a call from a, a guy he knows at Hansard and said, you got to get down here and get one of these. I'm not kidding you. There are no more coming in. They're ending production. This is it. And he had the means to say, well, what the hell? I'll get a salesman. One. So he drove down there. He drove it home, put it in the basement, and hasn't moved since. And I'm just saying, huh. I'm just saying, I think he's going to have big problems when at last it emerges back into daylight. Is he a podcast listener? Are you blowing his cover I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Hmm. He's getting up in years now. Oh yeah. So, so yeah. I was going to say, should he make a move at some Time point? Time to swoop in, Suchi boy. I, I tried to. I, I, but he thinks it's worth thirty grand, and I can tell you, it's not. Once he gets it outside, and you realize the damage that's been done, uh, it won't be worth thirty grand. Did he drive it down the stairs? No, man. I, what's your name, Reavers? Brad, Chris, I'll tell yeah. you for the last time. It went in through a basement of sliding doors. So don't give me any more of your BS <laughs> about worried about the guy going down the stairs. All right. <laughs> I think on, on that, that note, note. that'd be a great <laughs> God help me. A great uh, great way to end that baby. Close it up. So you can rate us still. I had a share of vignette with you and it gets hung up on driving down the steps. <laughs> yeah, I saw it like, scratched up a little bit with the railing. Garagelogic.com, you Taking can rate the door us. Off the there. Yeah, exactly. And all sorts of stuff all like over it. Does he keep the hood open with you like you dummy? You and your you. A magic You're stick? You're fired. A magic stick will keep the MG clean and sober. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, check out the great features on the website as well. Author's Corner and the Garage Logic comic by one... Hey, let's go down and do Author's Corner. I want to make an addition. All right. There'll be an addition to Author's Corner. Greg Holcomb's got some great stuff online. GarageLogic.com. You are one click away. Thanks for tuning in, guys.